You're listening to Women Making Waves. Sue Keo has quite a big background in marketing and also in working for media companies, doesn't she? She has, and she's been working, yeah, independent production companies, smooth operations and BBC Radio 2. So we're very honoured to have her here, actually, and she's very successful with her own marketing and communications company, Sukio, which is just up the road from here. It is indeed. So we, uh, we grabbed her one night, pulled her into the studio and had a long chat with her. We might be doing documentaries on, say, Dusty Springfield or a seven-part series going across Route 66 and following the music, um, all the different variant versions of that song, for example. So I was always learning and researching. And Sue Keogh, you started out in radio for BBC Radio 2, working for the independent production company Smooth Operations, producing music-based content and running the BBC Country website. You're also a Royal Society of the Arts Fellow. Founded Sukio in yep. 2008 after gaining, <laughs> after gaining work and projects and experience through your work through Yahoo, AOL, ITV.com and Magic FM. And now you're offering communication support to businesses across the UK and overseas. And of course, well, it is actually digital marketing. Lovely to have you here for Women Hi. Making Waves. Hi. Linda and I are very delighted to have you here, are we not? Yes, we are indeed. That's great. <laughs> so I suppose the question I think I'd like to ask you first of all is what attracted you to the media, I suppose radio? I've always been involved in this sort of world from quite an earlier age and started my career. I went, when I finished my A-levels, I went and worked at the local newspaper in Northampton, the Herald and Post, just as a promotions and marketing assistant there, doing things like uh, organising the weekly competition in the paper, doing wedding fairs, all of that kind of thing. You know, I really enjoyed English at school. And so even though, you know, fast forward to where we are now, the sort of thing I do for a living now didn't exist when I was at school. I've always been very interested in that world where there's lots going on. You get to meet people a lot. You get to interview people a lot. You know, I'm quite newsy, quite editorial. I quite like that buzz of things happening all the time, something new every day. One of the joys in doing what we're doing now, because we work for so many different people, I always say that us as a team, if we ever go to, if any of us are at a party, you know you meet people at parties, they're maybe the spouse or the partner, and they're there kind of shuffling around saying, oh God, I don't really know anybody. We've always got something to talk to them about. We've written website copy for <laughs> my uh, our copywriter at the moment. He's getting involved in the world of concrete a lot and waterproofing systems and things but he would always be able to to strike up a conversation with that bloke at the party who doesn't know anyone and so we get to learn new things all the time whether it's things to do with genomes or (laughs) or working for a wedding photographer or just so much and I, I love that kind of work learning through what what we're working on it, it sounds like you've got a little bit of knowledge about lots of things which is always really really interesting yes. to do yeah actually so when you left the school did, mm. did you go straight into working for the media or did you go to university first or anything well I actually went to Anglia which is how I ended up in Cambridge did a degree in communication studies with Spanish after a very short stint in double glazing company <laughs> then uh, I saw the ad for smooth operations and managed to get the work there and 
and and one of the things that I think sold me to them was my love of music so I've always been very very into music and live music going to gigs my boss Nick who's people will know from Radio Cambridgeshire Radio Man in Cambridge his wife said that I had killer handwriting she looks like a killer or something killer like that handwriting yeah. so what did you have scratchy writing I've just got quite flowing handwriting oh so, flowing yeah is that what a killer handwriting is it must be and she said yeah get get her and she looks interesting <laughs> she didn't mean so, killer as in mass murderer then presumably well, I'm, I'm never been quite sure because <laughs> I'd only just joined the company so I didn't want to ask too many difficult questions no I wouldn't ask the question in. it got me in um, so yeah so that's when I started to work in radio everything we did was all music based which is great for me but again I was learning so much as well we might be doing documentaries on say Dusty Springfield or a seven part series going across Route 66 and following the music um, all the different variant versions of that song for example so I was always learning and researching and, and were you doing the production for programmes like that or presenting or what, how, what involvement did you have? Well I was when I started I was the PA so I was very much a lot of admin <laughs> they let me do the books it's funny because you know I'm not I'm no bookkeeper but then what I did then has also helped me now in my business because I know I know my way around the, the, the money which is important but I was booking artists I was doing research I wasn't necessarily going across America at Route 66 but I was keeping everything else going back back home, uh, running tapes down to Broadcasting House, you know, sitting in and interviews. It's great. And then the BBC, this is when all the website stuff started to come in. And so they needed a country website and a folk music website. And so I sort of gradually moved to running the country music website. So that was when I started to go digital, sort of took a slightly left turn from radio. And I was interviewing artists. I was writing a couple of reviews a week, features, going out to Nashville occasionally. All part of this learning thing. I felt like I'd had a, I'd done a degree in country music because I'd been helping produce the Wednesday night country show for three years. So I was well versed in it. Whereas before, I was more of a, a goth, indie, techno <laughs> kind of girl. And then all of a sudden, I was singing along to Alison Krauss and, and all of this kind of stuff. It's so great. You, you almost, so you were sort of in that zone, really, when it first started, digital mm, music. Very much. That, that was quite yeah. an important era at that time, wasn't it? Yes. D- digital music or digital in general, well, do you think? music. I suppose because mm. that's where you started. Yes, but in general, yes. yes, that as well. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a really interesting period to look back on because it feels like the whole landscape was being carved out and so everything was very experimental. Whereas now is it you kind of can't do that because the, the landscape is built um, so something like Amazon is just so overwhelming now N- nobody else, it's that first mover advantage, nobody else can necessarily do what they're doing. The same with someone like Spotify, I mean the music it's so competitive, I've, there's people we've worked with who are startups trying to get in on that music scene and they're, they're competing against Spotify people like Tidal, backed by Jay-Z, you know the sort of budgets you need to get things going are just just massive and it's it is very different now it, even in the way that we're talking about vinyl today in the office and saying perhaps we should have a vinyl version of spotify where you you play a tune you have to listen you have to listen to the whole album before you can then press a button to kind of turn it over and everyone's laughing at this and i was thinking yeah well, i love vinyl <laughs> <laughs> we really you know? have lived in the most interesting times yeah. over the past 20 30 years because mm. think you're right it was revolutionary really the technology the yeah. change in technology changed jobs, created jobs, yeah. made new jobs and interesting careers. Mm, mm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and I was there at that period where, I mean, I, I can't remember what year the BBC started, but it was radio, first of all, and then 
TV came in and then nothing changed for decades. And so whereas I was there at the point when new media came along and I remember this distinct feeling of, oh, you know, who are these guys? And so you felt a little bit secondary and there was also a little bit of resentment about budgets because budgets were always getting tighter and tighter. But now a big chunk of the budget had to go to Six Music, which is just a digital station and all of that being taken away from Radio 2. And you make a programme, but then you've also got to find time for for creating the digital content to go with it. And then a little bit later, I suppose, after I was doing all this, is the social media aspect. Oh, so you need to do tweets now as well. It's been quite an interesting thing for me to watch. But then also because it was in the earlier part of my career, it's really exciting. You know, I didn't feel threatened by any of this because why would I be? It was Everything was kind of going, going up like that at the point that I was also growing in my careers I sort of matched that whereas people maybe 20 years older than me probably felt a little bit like not the rug was being taken from under their feet but you know all of those that framework that they were so used to was now changing. Spotify when that came out that was loathed absolutely mm. loathed it was mm. we were taking away copyright mm. and now it's mm. the best thing that's ever happened yeah why do you think we had why do you think the music industry had a real problem mm. with change mm. i think people have it's such an affection for for vinyl and ncds and, and the idea that you can hold this thing in your hand and i think it's very difficult to let go of that and move to to thinking that well we don't actually own our music in the same way. If you buy all of your stuff on iTunes, then Apple could, at a stroke, say, no, sorry, no, you haven't got this anymore. And even though you say, yeah, but I paid 99p for that in 2007, they go, well, I'm sorry, this is no longer yours. And so I think it's it's not just people in general, but definitely in the music industry, people would find that very hard because these people are are very into music so they're very, very attached and they will have had their shells full of vinyl and, you know, so it's very difficult to make that shift. You went then from the BBC... And then you've mm. uh, well, you worked, as I said before, you worked for AOL, ITV.com yeah. and Magic FM. And then you decided to... Well, there was a shift in your career, wasn't there? Everything was going well with the digital stuff. And then the BBC had a bit of a change of heart. And so that was the end of the country music website. And because I was working in a radio company, there was kind of nowhere for me to go then. It wasn't like we had a whole different apartment that was all digital you know it was kind of just me doing that I was made redundant but managed to get work quite quickly at itv.com so I moved there where I was project manager for the website which was just such a massive shift from being in this very small kind of family company to then finding myself sat in Grayson Road getting in the lift with Sir Trevor MacDonald in the morning Jon Snow turning up on his bike with his lovely different coloured ties and just this very different environment you know big glass building where you can just see all this stuff IGN news in the basement and all of this going on it's a very different shift and I felt like I was just kind of getting the swing of it about six months in when I was made redundant from there as well which is really great it was really funny because everyone had said that I was the because these redundancies were looming so Granada and uh, Carlton were merging and so we all knew, right, there's going to be quite a few job losses here. And everybody would joke that I was the only person who wouldn't lose their job because I knew the password for the ITV.com website. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, it wasn't enough to save me. And so having just got this new corporate website live to go with the merger, 
then then I lost my job. The first time it happened being made redundant, I was really sad about it. And uh, to use that expression again, I did feel a bit like the rug was being taken from under me. And it was such a lovely family community. Whereas this time I was just furious because it felt very kind of political about who was putting whom out of work and stuff. Three days later after that, I realised I was pregnant as well. As weeks go, that was quite eventful. really. <laughs> did you pass them the password, though? That's what I want to know. Did you yeah. hand it over? <laughs> Unfortunately, I had to do that. <laughs> Contractual. That was all going on. And then in the meantime, I just through an agency, I picked up some freelance work with Yahoo. And then that ended up being like the bedrock for everything else that happens. I was doing out of hours updating on the homepage. So you had your core team in London and then a team of us on a rotor who do all of the out of hour stuff. And so if there was breaking news, then we'd stay online and just keep on updating the homepage while it was happening. So there were things that happened while I was there, like the big racism row in the Big Brother house, uh, Saddam Hussein. And then one of the key moments really was the London bombs. This happened when I, I wasn't working during the day because all of the core team in London got sent home they just had to walk home because of course all the buses and trains were cancelled but they knew they could rely on me then they said oh Sue can you help us with this so I then spent all of that day juggling the different stories that were coming in trying to work out well this is the most up-to-date one there's four slots that we had to fill so you want four stories telling a different giving a different angle you had to make sure it's accurate because there's so much pressure that day and people giving people the wrong information could be potentially devastating Devastating. Breastfeed at the same time. So breastfeeding over a laptop is actually quite easy. <laughs> so they should put in NCT booklets that you can do these kind of things at the same time. As long as you don't do the Skype, press the Skype yes, button exactly. at the same time. Yes, exactly. That could actually... <laughs> It's a yeah, that could frighten. <laughs> when when the picture comes in, you can see the other person's face. <laughs> oh, well, I, yeah, it wasn't what I expected. Kind of managing all of that that day, and 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 I think because I always bent over backwards because I I did feel at this point I was out of the industry geographically. I did have a small baby at home, and I couldn't necessarily work full time hours. I always, you know, worried about that so much, and and I didn't talk about the kids aspect because I didn't want to come across as someone that was not committed to the job. Even though now, now that I'm older, and if someone says to me they've got kids, well, fine, yeah, great, whatever. I'm not, I don't really I, care. I think times have changed even yeah. now, though. I think that people, because the whole the whole thing has changed, you can take much longer off maternity leave. Mm, mm. And I think attitudes have changed mm. as well, mm. even just in the most recent years. It, I there agree. was a fear. Mm, yeah. mm, mm. But the, yes, there was mm. a fear, but... You didn't fear it. I, I get the impression you, you didn't talk about it, but you yes. didn't fear it either at the same time. No, I think I like a challenge. <laughs> so I was um, working three different freelance contracts, juggling the Yahoo stuff, so quite often working late at night and getting up at six o'clock in the morning to try and work out how to summarise what's happened in the ashes overnight in two lines of text. And it's What did you do for Magic Effect? Was that more website stuff and social media? Yeah, well, it's interesting because... Another thing that people say to me is, well, why did you set up the company at the height of the recession? So at this point, it was 2008. And actually, I found, even though my fear was not being in the thick of things, actually, it worked to my advantage because then people like Magic FM, for example, they didn't want another full-time person who they're paying a permanent wage to with benefits, Mm -hmm. needing a desk, national insurance, all of that. Whereas I, they said, oh, actually, can you do, say... 
three half days a week or four days yeah. a week and I'd be working from home. So so it actually worked out really well for them and having that flexibility. And so with them, I, I was creating a load of web content for them. I set up the Heat website as it was back then. So, you know, not, not like it will be now. So, yeah, just creating ongoing content for them. So if we talk about you having children and yeah. continue your work, was there ever a time you felt... I can't do this. This is just too much. Or was it within your remit that I can do this? Did you ever feel? I'm hoping you might say there were down days here because no. I, I think Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> You're wondering. She's I baffled think by your question. It is completely. <laughs> I must say the the day that Yahoo rang me up again and and said, "Oh, look, we know it's a bit soon after having the baby, but is there any way you could stop?" come just do some hours for us and I was pretty much skipping down the street I think I'm a better mum with this kind of intellectual stuff going on whereas some mums that I'd meet at um, the postnatal classes for them they were completely fulfilled they felt like that this is what they really wanted and it's all about how you define yourself really is there an etiquette to social media mm. is there something that some people don't realize they're doing it's really embarrassing how how niche do you want to go uh, uh well <laughs> you tell me well it's things like oh there's so many things uh, <laughs> give, us, give us an example of things like linkedin yes for example okay sending people a linkedin request mm. but not putting a personal message with it so just sending you a linkedin invite i don't say how i know you or why i'm doing this whereas if i were to hear about your show in the radio I look you up I listen to your show before then I, I send you a little message to say hi hi Susie it's, it'd be really great to connect because we're both in the Cambridge community and then you connect with me and then I send a message back saying oh it's lovely I'll see you around sometime great also what you don't want to do is then make that connection and then dive straight in there and try and sell your stuff I think a lot of social media interaction it's all like you should expect people to be when you genuinely meet them and it's about being interested and interesting. So you don't want to just go on about yourself all the time. You want to ask people in return what they like, what they do. And do you think that's that's a fallback for most businesses, that they don't mm. know how... I mean, this is your business we're talking about mm. here, but from a general point of view, businesses, they haven't quite got the social media yes. aspect. Yes, I think so. And that's so. Your, your area of the business, isn't it? Yes, and I, I think... or I mean, things like looking up your product or your your type of services on Twitter, for example, seeing people talking about it and then diving straight in there, trying to sell your stuff. So in the same way that if people were having an in, a, a conversation in the kitchen at this party, you wouldn't just dive straight in there. You'd kind of get to know them a bit first and, and join in their conversation and find out about them. So a lot of social media etiquette just mirrors the way that we behave as decent human beings in what you could call the real world. Yeah, it's that kind of thing, That's really. a really good analogy, actually. I mm. quite like that. Mm. Can get around yeah. that. Now that you have some people working for you, how, mm. how do you often wonder how they perceive you? Now that, you know, when you were a freelancer, you didn't have to worry about that. You were almost anonymous in many ways. But now you have people working for you. Do you think about that or do you not worry about that? That's a, that's a good question. I, I do a little bit and I think one thing that helped me as a business owner with this whole office move, I don't know, I felt myself becoming a lot more decisive and clear and that fed into all the other decisions that I was making. Because the thing is there, there was a lot more at stake. Um, there was a lot more money that I had to spend on investing there into the business. There are a lot of people messing us around. I could tell you um, over a drink sometime about Leaky Dave the plumber the air was blue that day when everything went wrong with him, which then I, I think made me feel uh, 
it just sort of helped my leadership skills, I think, um, and made me feel like, oh, actually, I'm someone that people are expecting to make a decision here mm -hmm. and worry a bit less about what people think about me because what people want is some clear direction. I, I, I like listening and getting people's opinions on things. But then also, not everybody wants to be consulted about every single thing that's happening. Sometimes you just want someone that's going to make a decision and get on with it so that you can get on with your work. Yeah, but I suppose, yeah, I do think about that. Everybody wants to be doing a good job. It's, it's just lovely having you here today. Thank, thank you. you so much indeed. Yes, and thank you very much for coming in and chatting to us. Thank you. For Women Making Waves. Thank you, Sue Keogh.